All right, welcome to Now This Is Podcasting. I'm your host, Connor, and I'm here as always with Calvin. Thanks for having me. And we're doing something a little different today. Uh, Tragedy of Macbeth came out uh, the tail end of 2021, and I thought it'd be kind of interesting to do like a compare and contrast. Um, this is a story that I think is like pretty well known. Uh, so we're also going to compare it to Macbeth that came out in 2015, which stars Michael Fassbender. So I think this would be kind of a fun episode. We haven't really done something quite like this before, but these movies are so different, yet they're the same story. Uh, yeah. I think it makes it kind of fascinating to talk about. So I just kind of uh, want to give a brief synopsis on Macbeth. Uh, he meets these three witches who foretell that he'll become the king of Scotland. Uh, he's then kind of encouraged by his wife even to take on that mantle himself. They conspire to kill the king. He then begins to kind of lose touch with reality and he becomes paranoid that he'll lose his position. This leads to him having his close friend murdered and it leads to civil war in Scotland. He, of course, eventually loses his kingdom, as predicted by these witches, and uh, that's essentially the, the tragedy of Macbeth, and so we're going to explore that more through these like two different films. Yeah, and I think it's interesting that we have two different films going in two different directions, and I think the reason is that Macbeth is a tragedy in two main ways. It's a tragedy of mind and a tragedy of body. And what I mean by that is a, a tragedy of mind in that um, it's a man trying to fight against fate and fight. He, he fights in a way against uh, for the fate that he wants and against the fate he doesn't want in uh, the, the, the cosmic uh, silliness that is man. But it's also another way of thinking of it as a tragedy of mind is we're were the voices of the witches like his own inner desires playing out on the uh, on screen and he's really yeah it's really just an expression of his mind already being drunk with power see uh, grandeur of uh, of uh, power and trying to take that mantle for himself I think that's one way I mean that's obviously a very Jungian way of looking at it I don't if anyone has followed us uh, for a while you know that there's a lot of Jungian psychology um, that we talk about here so I think that's how the witches function in in one way but then you also have the the tragedy of body in how how much death and suffering comes from the actions of this this one man and one and i'd say tragedy of macbeth focuses on the tragedy of mind and uh justin kurzel's uh 2015 macbeth focuses on the tragedy of body it's very gritty uh there's a lot of death and suffering and blood so I'm very I'm very excited to talk about these two. Also because I didn't know Macbeth uh, 2015 even existed. It had a really weird uh, release. Yeah. So we'll just go through it. Uh, like you said, it was put out in 2015. It had a really limited release in the states. Yeah, I ca- I'd hardly call it even a release. It sounds more like a couple part of film parties. It was. Uh, yeah, it released in five theaters. Um, so yeah, like like I said, very limited. Um, it did terribly. It had a budget of twenty million and made sixteen million back, and I think it, this movie could have really worked. It sort of, I think, like from the trailers, seemed to have a feel of like a gladiator or a Troy. Like it sort of maybe looked like it was supposed to be kind of a epic war movie, maybe a little more high minded because it is Shakespeare and it's Macbeth, and so you have to do more mm-hmm. than what Gladiator did. But I think this movie could have done well if it had actually gotten a real release. Um, but I do think there are parts of it that make it less approachable because of its still heavy use of Shakespearean dialogue. And so we can move on to a little bit of the stats for Tragedy of Macbeth, which I mentioned came out in 2021. It had a limited release. It was uh, put out by A24. And then it got its kind of like real mainstream release on Apple TV. 
uh, because of that. I have no idea what the budget is. I looked all over for any information on that. And during its kind of limited release, it made $45,000. So again, I was one of those dollars. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Actually, I was seven of those dollars because on Tuesdays, landmark theaters do $7 movies. So you even went for the cheaper ticket? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I went with a group and I didn't know that landmark did that sort of thing because, you know, I don't like I don't like doing things on weekdays because I have like a set order of like, you know, I'm going to go home, I'm going to work out, I'm going to make food, I'm going to do, I'm going to watch the movies I need to, uh, maybe play some video games with, with friends. And like that I have a very structured way I like to go about my weeknights, whereas my weekends, it's like, you know, there's there's time to do fun things. Yeah, right. Uh, Which I don't know if this is necessarily counts for some people as being a fun thing, but you have I to go think, somewhere. I do think watching two versions of Macbeth and then talking about them aren't going to rank high on most people's list, but it did for us. That's why I'm really excited to talk about these. I mentioned to my sisters that I was, uh, I was, yeah, I got to go finish watching Macbeth. And they were like, wow, <laughs> are you in high school again? <laughs> um, so Joel Cohen directed the tragedy of Macbeth. It is his first film that he hasn't done with his brother. They uh, had done Fargo, Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? No Country for Old Men. So, I mean, these they've worked together on some pretty big films. So the fact that he does Tragedy of Macbeth, and it's, at least financially, uh, I would call a flop. Despite not knowing the budget for it, I assume it's not very high. It was shot over 36 days, completely on a soundstage, aside from one exterior shot that's used at the very end of the film. So I imagine this wasn't, like, overly expensive to make. It also didn't go the uh, the lighthouse route, where it filmed in black and white and used, I think, like, uh, they tried to use, like, kind of period-accurate uh, photographic means for that. Oh, this yeah. was shot digitally and then just color corrected to black and white. So there was no expensive, complicated uh, way of ex- um, producing the film and editing it. This was digital. So well, that's still it's still a little complicated. On each uh, each scene needs to be color corrected because you have different light temperatures and uh, different different light amounts. So to color correct it to make it all seem coherent, each one needs to be done. But yeah, overall, it's not like I don't think there was any CGI here. I think a lot of it was like simple camera tricks. A lot oh. of it feels like uh, like old superimpositions and things like that. It's very true to what I would describe as uh, something uh, out of Germanic expressionism in the 20s. The one goofy CGI shot is the crow that Denzel Washington is swiping at. I thought, it, I thought it was so janky looking. Uh, <laughs> I thought it would have looked better if you make it look like a, a crow on like a line and it's just someone's like above the stage like like has it on a fishing pole or something like tracking it around yeah. and having it swing out the window. That's it would have felt more of the aesthetic of the movie, which is meant to look like a stage play. Mm-hmm. But we'll get more into aesthetic in our part two of this uh, kind of compare and contrast. And this one, we wanted to go over comparing and contrasting the characters and their performances. So I say we just move right into uh, Denzel Washington's portrayal of Macbeth. I <laughs> had a fear when I turned this on that it was going to feel like Denzel Washington just saying lines and he's so big and so famous that there is no way this wasn't going to sound like remember the Titans like he's just giving a speech and after hearing a couple of the British actors give their lines and oh, then Ralph Innocent was in this right um, which I was excited for he's very small role in this mm-hmm. but as soon as I had heard people with accents talking and then Denzel started I just was like fuck <laughs> <laughs> this is exactly what I feared <laughs> <laughs> and and I don't think he's especially bad in this. And I think the point of this is to feel like a stage play. And he does that. I just think you need to you need to 
put someone who's going to do an accent, because I don't think Denzel Washington probably wanted to do an accent for this. And I think you could maybe look at it as the director wanted him to stand out. So by not having an accent, you can like kind of partition him off from the rest of the movie in that way. I just still think it doesn't work at all. If everyone else is speaking with that accent and it's supposed to be this old English, it sounds really weird having someone with an American accent deliver Shakespearean dialogue. Yeah, I think it's funny that you say that. Like, I think that the accents um, in both of them are actually kind of problematic. It's just that we um, <clears throat> we notice Francis McDormand's and Denzel's mostly because we we hear all of the, the nuances of our accent um whereas we don't notice the nuances between scottish between rp between irish um i think that um you can hear a lot of german in michael fassbender's right in uh um marion cotillard's you can hear some french in uh jack rayner playing uh mcduff you can hear a lot of irish mm-hmm. really frustrates me like uh right why would you be cast like it's such a small role of her how many speaking things we didn't need jack it's not like he's a, a star yeah i mean he was in midsummer but that was that didn't even come out yet right um so yeah i just i think both of them really on different levels uh i didn't really love that i mean especially considering how few for being a Scottish play, how few of these actors are Scottish in both of them. I want to watch a version of this movie that is all the dialogue is changed to like the way Scottish tweets sound <laughs> where you can't understand a goddamn thing anyone's <laughs> saying. Um, this movie is the dialogue in this is already that kind of what that way. I think the kind of old English, you can understand what they're saying and what they mean but it's just said in a way that is like still foreign. Mm-hmm. And so I think I think you could have done this, yeah, where, where people are just saying things that don't make any sense the way Scottish people talk now. And that is a very funny version of this movie. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But yeah, overall, I would say that I think it's it's pretty obvious to the tone of the movie which actor portrayed Macbeth better. I think, um, I think Denzel does a good job, but it feels strange. It feels kind of out of place in that film and Fassbender just gives an amazing uh, performance in terms of a line delivery, but as well as demonstrating um, I, I, one, one review I saw uh, said that Macbeth is such a hard character to play because you have to show this, this cold um, power hungry Lord and also this weak, feeble man whose mind is falling apart. And he somehow is able to play both of those at the same time. And with all the believability of both. I totally agree. Um, yeah, I, I loved Michael Fassbender in this. And I think the way you said, being cold-blooded, but then also having this like struggle internally with him. I guess it was an emphasis by the filmmaker to have him portrayed as someone who is going through like PTSD from the stress of being in a battle. And so he would have, he would be conflicted and he would be struggling through this, but still be ruthless enough to kill his best friend, murder McDuff's family, but then also seem to be coming a part of the seams. I thought, I thought Michael Fassbender did a great job in this. Whereas I think, I think Denzel nailed the part of Macbeth in a stage play, but I didn't really get that like conflict inside of him because all of his lines are delivered the same way. I felt, I didn't Mm -hmm. think there was enough, change in his tone or cadence to make me feel one part of him is calculated killer and the other part of him is uh, 
slowly like coming loose and uh, losing his sense of his sense of self and becoming paranoid. They just all felt like the same character all the time. Yeah, it's interesting how both films played with where they wanted to put the emotion. One put it in the performance and one put it into the set. So we'll talk about that more in aesthetic. But yeah, that's why I think one performance feels transcendent and another one feels like a really good stage play monologue. Yeah, which is, again, is part of my trouble with this movie. It's like, I think... Denzel nailed it. I think what he did is exactly what he's directed to do. I think it's exactly yeah. what the character was supposed to be in that film. Mm-hmm. My trouble comes from, I would just go see the play then. I think this, we'll go into it more with aesthetic. I think Tragedy of Macbeth did not take advantage of the medium. Oh, that's so funny because I feel so strongly opposite to that. <laughs> okay. But that's, I think that's, I've had this conversation with a few people now. It's it's mostly from how much uh, the stages and the lighting and everything really uh, brought out the, the film nerd fanboy in me. Um, so we'll talk about more of that in, when we get to aesthetic. All right. So then I want to move on to Lady Macbeth. I want to start off with uh, Marion Cotillard's uh, portrayal of Lady Macbeth. This is from the Michael Fassbender Macbeth. I think it's really interesting. We talked about accents. They wanted her to keep her French accent to create this sense of otherness, like someone who is in the community but has an agenda outside the community. And I love, I think that that is shown like almost explicitly, like the way she treats Macbeth, it's like she's not just kind of complicit going along with it. She's an active part of the killing of Duncan and Macbeth's motivation to do that. Mm -hmm. I think when Francis McDermott does it in Tragedy of Macbeth, it's not as... It's not implied as heavily how how involved she is. I think she is playing a role in it, certainly, but I don't think she's as active as Lady Macbeth in the 2015 version. I still, again, I think they both fit the role of their movie well. I just like the performance and the involvement of uh, Marion Cotillard's version of Macbeth better. It functioned overall better, and I thought it gave more depth to that character, especially just the little nuance of having her have a different accent. I thought that that, that it's so subtle, but kind of subconsciously you know that she is not a part of it you know yeah i don't know how you can say that though and then cast a german irish actor as Macbeth with a a slight german accent and not get a sense of otherness from him too like it doesn't stand out from anybody else's otherness then because you have four or five different accents i mean sean harris is english uh as well so like you don't have like the only people that are actually scottish in in the 2015 one are a lot of the like the monk uh guy uh he's dressed in that that cloak oh right right yeah there's like three of them that are scottish in that version and all of them are minor side characters that have a few lines of dialogue but i don't think that you get that sense of otherness then if everybody sounds other i get where you're coming from I think it's just easy for a lot of Americans to hear a, most European accents and just clump them all together. Yeah, like, I agree. But like, why make that decision then? Right. I, I think that's a, you know, do you understand like how this is going to land then? That you really should have had like Francis McDormand playing that character with a, a modern day English accent if you really wanted that to be the, the case of otherness. Right. Watching this, besides like my fear of how Denzel would sound, mm-hmm. I say Denzel like we're buds. <laughs> <laughs> I did not expect to be so hung up on accents with both of these movies. Yeah, it seems like such a small part, but but I mean we've gone on it as a trait to these characters and elaborated on how we think it works and doesn't work. I it was definitely something I wasn't expecting to be like, oh man, like fix this please, because 
it's making the movie less coherent in a way. And it's something just so subtle as an accent. Yeah. I feel like it's something that we've, I don't know. I bring it, I bring it up a lot. Um, in a lot of things that we've talked about. So maybe I'm just wearing off on you. Yeah, like, for sure. <laughs> I think if you want something to be, if you want, like, I understand you want star power, but you also need to pay attention to like, if your if your point is period accuracy, like the whole thing of the 2015 is verisimilitude. So if you're going to bring, if you want everything to feel real, it needs to be real people from the, from the time. Right. Like, otherwise then what's, what's the point? I think you put Robert Eggers behind the camera making this movie. That's why that's why he's doing the Northman. Yeah, I I think it would be amazing. I am so excited about that. I did think about uh like maybe double back to Macbeth real quick and having someone who I think has could have the right accent for it, maybe if it would fit the role better. Uh it's like Idris Elba, I think could have done the role pretty well. Uh, Are you talking about for tragedy? Yes. Oh, okay, yeah. Um and like yeah, I mean, if you wanted to have the star power, then you put like Benedict Cumberbatch in it. I think he could have fit the role. I think just purely having the accent could have made this movie so much better to me. I also yeah. thought like Colin Firth, who's like from Kingsman and uh, like mm. the King's Speech. I love the King's Speech. Yeah, yeah, that's a really good movie. Um, I thought he could have worked well too. Like not, he's not as visual, like physically imposing as Denzel Washington is, but to have like that. But Idris Elba would be. Yeah. My so. gosh, that I mean, first of all, visage of a man. Also, like. <laughs> Jaden like, isn't here to complain about it. Yeah, I know <laughs> exactly. Yeah, from his cameo in the office. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I, what I love too is that uh, they decided to, you know, you could say something about wokeness or whatever, like uh, of like casting um, someone in the uh, someone who's black as the role of Macbeth. But I think it's a fun visual thing to put black skin and white skin in a black and white uh, film. It's it's a challenge to uh, actually shoot uh, some uh, certain uh, shades of black skin in, in photography because of the way re- light reflects off of it. It's yeah. it's a it's a very interesting and striking example of like how um, just a person pr- uh, provides a different aesthetic quality. So I like that. Like um, just from uh, yeah from a, from a technical standpoint, what it would look like, and I think that it would actually be harder with Idris Elba. I think he's a little bit darker than than Denzel, just from uh, like what it would uh, like what it would mean to actually uh, light all of those things and color correct them differently. Yeah, no, I like that idea. Um, little fun fact: almost all of the costumes were black and white or like shades of gray oh. for the tragedy of Macbeth. Uh, I think apart from some of Francis McDermott's costumes had some color to them. But I kind of like the idea. And then the sets were the same way. They were all like kind of do a grayscale. Mm. So I kind of think it's kind of interesting to look at it. It it was it would probably have looked the same if you viewed it in a, on a stage as it does color corrected like uh, in post to make it black and white. I think mm. that's interesting to keep the costumes in a grayscale to kind of add to that atmosphere and feeling of the film. That's interesting. So, yeah, so... You- what do you think of like so so Cotillard then obviously is supposed to be othered. What do you think of Frances McDormand's performance then? Again, I, I think she fits the tone of it being a play. Mm. I think we'll get into some of the dialogue later on, but she delivers it fine. She's not as interesting as the 2015 version. I don't think. Like I said, I I don't think she's pushing Macbeth in the same way that other character is. I won't say that I don't like Frances McDermott in this movie. I don't think it's possible to not like Frances McDermott in a movie. She's fantastic, but I, 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 a lot of the, a lot of the feeling I wanted to get out of it, I didn't get the same way I got from uh, the other portrayal of it. And there's just something about hearing her say "unsex me" 
in an American accent that just doesn't <laughs> land. So again, most of my critiques of this film will come from the people who are in it using an American accent. Not necessarily, I don't think the performances are bad. It just, and they seem to fit the tone of the movie. They just didn't capture, I guess, the, uh, I think old English needs to be said in a certain way in order for it to land correctly. And or, they didn't do that. I don't know if it necessarily needs to be said in, I think it needs to be consistent with everybody else because it should be a localized thing, right? Everybody's all in the same country. So you'd imagine that everyone has a relatively similar uh, accent, and so I suppose I could I could forgive some of the the Irish, German, um, and French accents because, you know, dialects uh, were a little bit more uh, different um, when the mode of transportation was uh, so limited. But I don't think that you could have them so different the way that they are here. Yeah, I wonder how this movie would have sounded if it was just all American accents across the board. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, like I think that would maybe that would be. I think that would be more digestible. I think for cohesion, it certainly makes more sense. Yeah, exactly. So I want to talk about Corey Hawkins and his portrayal of Macduff in the tragedy of Macbeth. Hmm. Uh, you might know him. He was in that uh, NWA movie, um, Straight Out of Compton. He yeah. plays Doctor Dre. That was terrible. I know you didn't like it. I like I like NWA a lot, so I thought that was a it was a fun movie. Maybe it's not the best movie, but I liked it. Um, <laughs> but it's just really interesting to see him going. He played Dr. Dre not too long ago, and now he's McDuff in a Shakespearean retelling of Macbeth. And, and I thought it was I thought it was really neat to see like kind of his range. Yeah. One of the problems I have with him in this, and again, I don't know, I don't know, I, I have not seen a, I have not seen Macbeth on stage. I haven't seen a play. I don't know. I know an approximation of the whole story, but these movies are like my first real experience mm. with Macbeth. So I don't really know kind of the separation and rivalry that should be built between Macbeth and Macduff in regards to the source material. I just think that in Tragedy of Macbeth, they're not at odds enough. If they're going to have this kind of climax at the end, then I think their relationship needs to be, it, it needs to have be more visceral. Like it needs to matter more to me. And I don't think that even the scene of, uh, his his children being killed and his wife being killed in tragedy of Macbeth, it still didn't land enough for me to understand the hate that he would have. And I wonder what did you think of of Corey Hawkins as this character? Yeah, it's interesting that you say that. Uh, there's actually some speculation that Macbeth might the version that we have is actually a, an abridged version. Um, it's about a thousand lines shorter than King Lear, I think, and uh, about half as long as Hamlet. Um, so there is, uh, some scholarly discussion that the version that we have is not the true version of Macbeth. So I think that that could be like, I feel that actually is similar in both, uh, in both films. I think that the rivalry of Macduff is not really well established as to why he killed either of their families. You know, why, why he went after Macduff's in, in Macduff's in the Fossbender one is just as confusing to me as in tragedy. Um, and why they ultimately fight in the end, I, I don't know. So I also didn't watch these with subtitles, just so you know. These were, these were the few movies that I don't, didn't watch with subtitles because I wanted to see, I had an understanding of what the story was. I wanted to see how the visual elements of these films worked. And so I... Uh, just focused on those and not necessarily the narrative elements. Yeah, which I I did the opposite. And I've said on this podcast a bunch of times, I hate watching movies with subtitles. <laughs> but I knew that this kind of language was going to be easier for me to like digest and understand 
like I can hear the character say like my mind is full of scorpions like <sighs> I know what that means but I needed the extra cue of reading it to like really comprehend it and so the, I definitely watch this with uh, subtitles I think it helped me make the story more, more cohesive and I did it for both films I think they for me they both needed it uh, but I do like your idea of just can I just soak up what's on screen and have this make sense to me mm-hmm. uh, I, I think that's an interesting way to take it I think it's funny it's kind of switched our position on it because I hate subtitles. <laughs> so let's keep talking about Macduff and Sean Harris's portrayal of the character in the 2015 Macbeth. I loved him in this. Uh, we had talked about him uh, a little while ago when we did our review on Green Knight mm. and he's playing King Arthur in that and how I think we had usually seen him as like a villain character in the Mission Impossible movies. That was actually my first time seeing him was in The Green Knight because I don't oh. think I've ever seen a Mission Impossible movie, nor do I ever wish to. Okay. <laughs> so just so, just to let you know, that's not upcoming on this podcast. Right. Um, oh, those are such a spectacle. But yeah, I don't think they're very fun to talk about. I don't they're all the same spe- movie. Yeah, exactly. Like I'm not in like I we didn't go to to film school where we did uh, like action stunts and where we uh, did all of these big set pieces. I scratched images on um, exposed film stock in a dark room by myself. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Um, yeah, I thought Sean Harris was great in this. I thought he brought so much emotion to the character. I loved the scene where he discovers that Duncan's been killed. And he just yells for everyone to wake. And I, I, he's just completely broken by the loss of his king. And the part where Macbeth has, is now the king, they're in the, the courtyard or the courtroom together having a, a, a banquet. And it's clear that Macbeth is starting to kind of lose it. And Macduff leaves. It's kind of this like he's decided that he's going to have this separation and he's going to try and I think that's the beginning, beginning of his plot to dethrone Macbeth. And then you have the I think is a tragic scene of the burning of his wife and children, which I is a scene I didn't think landed at all in tragedy of Macbeth, but I really felt something going through that scene in Macbeth. And then Sean Harris's reaction to that Macduff falling to his knees, holding Malcolm, you know, like vowing that he he's going to like have vengeance on Macbeth. I thought Sean Harris was fantastic in this. I think he should be in way more movies. I thought he was awesome. Uh, what did you think of Macduff in Macbeth. Yeah, and I think I should also mention the fact that, you know, before I said that um, Tragedy of Macbeth is more of a tragedy of the mind and uh, the Fassbender one is more a tragedy of body. That's not to say that there aren't a lot of elements here that are deeply tragic to the mind of, of, of pain, of suffering, of Fassbender's mind deteriorating. Um, there are uh, some deeply, I, I'd say there's more emotion uh, from the actors Um in the Fassbender one, and that's just yeah, that's just one of the one of those uh, one of those scenes which is just like heartbreaking. Like, we even though you didn't know his family, there wasn't a lot of like um, you know relationship that we, we that those relationships weren't really built up. We're just assuming like you love your kids, love your wife, blah blah blah, that type of thing. But the how much of himself he put into that scene. Um, just really carried it like i even if you don't understand what he's saying there's so much body dialogue going on there that that's not present in tragedy um that really conveys everything that you need to know i like to think of his character as just like this raw nerve just like every time something touches it like you feel it Mm -hmm. like i yeah again i can't praise sean harris enough in this movie it's really sad to me that this didn't get a very good release in the u.s because i think there's some really good performances in it yeah exactly 
And it's weird that it didn't because I mean, look at the star power that was that was in it. Oh yeah, I mean, uh, uh, Marion Cotillard had just done uh, one of the Batman movies, so I mean, she she was yeah. known enough. Michael Fassbender is pretty huge in the U.S. after all the X Men movies. Yeah, and he, I think, after this, he did Assassin's Creed with the was, same director. <laughs> yeah, with the same director, which is just, and I think <laughs> Marion Cotillard was in that as yeah. well. Yeah, they just decided like, well last one was a critical failure or it was a, a monetary failure. Let's try again. Yeah. <laughs> Let's go for round two. Um, I want to talk a, just a little uh, fun fact about the X-Men relationship to Macbeth. Huh. Michael Fassbender is the fourth member of the X-Men cast to play Macbeth either on stage or on film. Okay. Obviously Patrick Stewart. Yes. Um, you mean the, the titular character. Yes. To play Macbeth. Too. Yeah. Um, oh, Lindsey Graham. Frazier, what's Frazier's name? Isn't it Lindsey Graham? No, that can't be it because that's uh, that's the senator. Kelsey Grammer. Kelsey Grammer. Golly. Yeah. Uh, but no, it's not Kelsey Grammer. No, nah, come on. He has to. He's uh, He has to have been in Macbeth. I don't know. Maybe he didn't play Macbeth. Uh, but the other one is uh, Ian McKellen, who is Magneto in X-Men. Yeah, but what is he in? He played Macbeth in a stage play. Oh, I don't know why I was thinking only in these movies. Um, <laughs> uh, and then you have James McAvoy, who played Professor X, and he also played Macbeth in a stage play. No, check this out. Kelsey Grammer did play Macbeth on an ill-received Broadway revival of Shakespeare's Macbeth that ran for 10 days. And he's an X-Men? Yeah, he's Kelsey Grammer is um, the blue beast guy. Oh my God, you're so right. Yeah. Okay, so there's five characters who appeared in X Men. I, I just, I just, I had to. Like Kelsey Grammer just feels like a titan of of stage presence. He has to have been Macbeth at some point. No, I'm glad you looked it up. Okay, cool. Yeah, I guess they just, I guess his Macbeth was just so bad that he didn't get a nod for even Wikipedia. I'm saying if we've learned learned anything, it's that if you were an X Men, you will go on to play Macbeth at some point, <laughs> or if you played Macbeth, you will go on to be in an X Men movie. Yeah, I'm not sure which one I would I would rather one to portend. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so let's move on to Banquo. I like how he's set up in the story. It's like uh, the witches tell tell Macbeth that Banquo's children will become kings after him because Macbeth doesn't have any heirs, mm. and that leads to the kind of distrust and eventual murder of his friend Banquo. Like Macbeth sends assassins out to to kill him. And while I don't think either of these characters, either of these actors gave like particularly great performances, I don't think either of them were bad. Bertie Carvel plays Banquo in The Tragedy of Macbeth, and I think he's utterly forgettable, except for his eyebrows <laughs> are off the chain. They're so huge. Um, but again, I, they, they have a role to play in the story, and that's all they are. Yeah, they're just devices. Because it's also strange, like part of the tragedy is like, literally that prophecy has nothing to do with Macbeth. You know, Macbeth can live until he's 80 and then die and then someone else becomes king. It doesn't mean that he's not going to be king for the rest of his life. Right. I do want to point out Lachlan Harris plays Fleance in Macbeth, the 2015 Mm. Michael Fassbender Macbeth. And he gives the most convincing, I just saw my parents die cry I've ever seen in a movie. Mm. It's a trope that I think has comes in and out of films like pretty often i mean we've seen bruce wayne do it uh like five times on film now too many one might argue yes i agree 
Uh, he's got a lot of work to do, that young Bruce Wayne, because this kid, I, th- I thought was, his face is so tragic and it felt so real in that moment. I've never seen a, a kid emote that way on screen. I thought it was fantastic and is really kind of the highlight to that scene and kind of the end of Banquo. But we're going to get more into that later. I just wanted to point him out. I thought he was fantastic in the limited part he plays. I thought it was some of the best child acting I've seen, some of the best child emoting I'd seen on screen ever. Yeah. Well, I'd say that Seamus Scrimshaw is probably the best one that I've ever seen. Uh, that's uh, He played um, the boy in The Witch. Yeah, yeah, he's really good too. I'm pretty sure it's Seamus Scrimshaw. I'll be, I'm pretty, I'm almost positive it's Scrimshaw because I remember thinking like, oh, Scrimshaw Trinket. Yep. Like, you said that exact same thing when we uh, reported that podcast. <laughs> no, it's Harvey Scrimshaw. Harvey Scrimshaw okay. is the... Uh, Probably the best child acting I've ever seen. A good, a good in-podcast correction. That way our tens of fans don't come after us later. I want to talk about the witches now because I think they're both really good in like isolated to their own film. They're one of the few things that I think I really enjoyed equally in both of them. I think I tend to, just in kind of the critique I've given so far, I obviously lean more towards the Fastbender version of this as being the one that I liked more. But I thought the witches worked so well in both of their versions. And I want to know, uh, let's start off with uh, Catherine Hunter. She plays the witches in Tragedy of Macbeth. Yeah, absolutely amazing. Because I think there's a, there's a supernatural quality that you really need to capture with Macbeth. And it, it all comes from the witches. Because it's this, this cosmic game of fate. Um, or it's a, it's a play of the mind. One of those two things. But either way, they really need to be... Um, they really need to feel otherworldly. And that's posture, uh, face, uh, the way they emote, like all of those things just say something is very, very different here. Um, what a, and what, what a cool decision to go with uh, one character playing all three of them. Right. Um, I think that was, that was a smart choice because it creates another level of unease. Like, why do they all look the same? They're, if, you know, they could just not be human, but portrayals of what someone would consider to be human. I I love the way she's introduced on the beach and mm-hmm. it's kind of the first and I think only scene that I think kind of tries to engage with the audience. I love that when she's speaking, she turns her head and then the camera will be, she'll be looking towards the camera again, almost like she's talking to you, but she's also talking to the other witches in that same moment. Mm-hmm. So I love the kind of play with the camera there. It's a, it's a technique that I don't think is used ever again in the movie. Uh, but I, I, so. I really liked her introduction. It, it felt different from the rest of the movie. And again, I think it added to that otherworldly quality. I think if you play with where the camera's moving, instead of having it kind of static, like a lot of the shots are in Tragedy of Macbeth, I liked that it was the way it was edited and the way it was moving. I also really loved just visually the scene of her standing in front of that puddle and you see the reflection of the two other witches in it. Yeah. Oh. I, just visually, it was a very cool shot. It's one of the few like visually interesting shots I think I pulled from Tragedy of Macbeth. It's fascinating because I think every shot is visually interesting in Tragedy of Macbeth. When we get into the aesthetic, it's, that's where the fireworks are going to fly. <laughs> we disagree, I think. And it's all going to be in black and white, all of the fireworks. But I, I loved her voice. I loved her cadence, the boil, boil, toil and trouble mm. line. I thought was it, it just it, it leapt out at me. It was... It, She's just, I think, the perfect casting for it. I don't know that I've seen her in anything else, but I think she nailed this role. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, what what a casting <laughs> in, a, in a film that, that was our, my main problem with. Right, so let's move on to the witches in Macbeth. 
apparently the director, Justin Kurzel, uh, liked the seven-year-old actress Amber Risman so much that he ended up just casting her as a fourth witch because the, the story is just originally three witches. And I guess she had one line of dialogue that got cut anyways, so she's just there as kind of a visual element. He just thought that she worked so well on screen that he was like, you know what, I'm adding a fourth witch. So I think this movie kind of departs from some of the traditional tellings of Macbeth, and I don't think that's a bad one. Again, I think the witches function really well in this. I love how they're always like shrouded in fog, and there's a lot of uh, some of the color palette that has them like it has this uh, green tint to it, and it just gives this sense of unease. And when you use green on uh, to tint your scene, it does. It gives like this feel of like it's gross. It's unnatural. The same in a different way where like having blue would imply that it's cold and and like dark. Mm-hmm. And so I love the way that kind of the palette is and the, the environment that the witches are in in the 2015 Macbeth. So I like the environment that they're in. I like the way that they're... No, I don't like the way that they're shot. I don't really like them at all. Um, just I like the fog. Uh, the thing is, is like... The way that they're sitting and acting, they seem to be doing like human things. And that I think is uh, takes away from uh, what we were talking about, like the cosmic tragedy of fate. Like they, he find when he revisits them, they're all just like sitting around like women. And the fact that one of them is holding up, holding the baby, like his child, I'm assu- I think is strongly suggested from the beginning of the, the film that when she dies, the witches take him, take her. Mm-hmm. Um, or him, I'm not sure actually now, but it doesn't really matter. Like it, it paints a different picture of them. It makes them feel uh, human. It makes them feel domicile. It makes them feel uh, gendered uh, in a way that makes them feel less threatening. Um, I don't, and I don't love that for that reason. Like I think they needed to be played a little bit differently. Um, fewer lines of dialogue maybe just make them a foreboding like if you're going to change stuff just make them a foreboding image like there's three there's just women standing on a battlefield i think that's kind of all you really need to know um and then maybe have like an inner dialogue of himself talking about how he's going to be king that sort of thing i i don't know i don't i don't think that they were um incorporated very well into this version because this version is so much about verisimilitude that how do you have various like real real witches that aren't really doing anything? You know, they should have been doing something. I thought it was kind of conveyed enough in like the scarring some of them have, and it looked like they had. I don't know, yeah, I get like they're like they look like witches, but like they don't they don't feel like witches. I guess maybe I just got enough about like uh, enough enough was interpreted to me in the visual language of how they were presented that I got the mystical feel of them. Uh, I think that's kind of one of the parts of that movie that I like. I just, I think the imagery is really powerful in it and it, I love the palette and how the camera functions in it and a lot of the shots you're getting out of it. So maybe I just thought it, the way they were, the way they function in the movie seemed to fit the aesthetic of that film. And that's why, that's kind of my, that's my praise for both of the versions of the witches we get is I think they just work really well in each of their films. I totally understand what you're saying. I think you, you probably could have pumped them up more. But I just think they exist visually in such a cool way that I didn't really need them to be doing anything kind of mystical or creepy the same way I think you needed the witch in Tragedy of Macbeth to act maybe kind of over the top to really convey that sense of otherworldliness. All right, so we've gone through these characters, which I think was the what we wanted to do for the first part of this uh, review and discussion. We'll cover aesthetic, so the sound, and kind of compare and contrast some of the scenes uh, in part two. 
But with that, we're going to wrap this one up. I just want to thank Calvin, as always, for being on. Oh, thanks for having me. And uh, you can find our podcast on any platform like Spotify or Apple Music. We also upload all these to YouTube. So go ahead and leave a comment. Tell us what we're doing well. Tell us what we're doing wrong. And if you have any suggestions for movies we should do in the future, uh, we'd love to hear them. And with that, thank you for listening to Now This Is Podcasting. <laughs>